0: Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert.
1: Itai Melchia is the outgoing head of the Trade and Economic Office in the Embassy of Israel in South Africa. Since arriving on our sunny shores in 2012, he has worked tirelessly strengthening relationships between the two countries. Quietly spoken and working behind the scenes, he has connected the right people to the right business and ensured that his legacy will continue. It's time for Tai to return to Israel, but I'm delighted that he joins me now in studio to tell me about the work that he does. Tai, welcome. Thank
0: you. Thank you for those kind words.
1: Um, Tai, a lot of the work that you do is behind the scenes and is also very quiet. How much of what you've done can you actually talk about?
0: Um, Well, we can talk about most of this stuff. It's just quiet because it's natural things to happen. I mean, trade relations between countries are a normal thing. And there's a lot of it going on. There are dozens of Israeli companies working here. There are South African exporters to Israel. And all of this is happening away. It's not news because it's just happening.
1: And what is the um, interest among Israelis to come into South Africa? What opportunities are there for them?
0: Well, many Israelis, when they look to diversify their exports, and Israeli mainly exports to the North America, Europe, and the Far East, about a third, third, third equal parts. And uh, Africa actually amounts for less than 2% of total Israeli exports, even though we are close neighbors. So it's not a natural port of call for Israelis. And a lot of my work was actually also talking to Israelis and telling them about the opportunities about Africa, Africa rising, growing middle class, needs, technology, agriculture, water, etc. So um, Israelis that come here either have products which are aimed at emerging markets or find out that South Africa is actually also a a first world country in many effects and also a good stepping stone to enter the total African market.
1: You mentioned a number of things, technology, water, um, you know, all the things that Israel is actually quite well known for. In terms of South Africans going to Israel, have you been approached by Jewish and non-Jewish South African businessmen to explore opportunities there?
0: Oh, we do that all the time. As I said Maybe it's behind the scenes, but, but but we have hundreds of people going on exploration business trips uh, every year, every way. Uh, we just, in September, we had more than 30 South Africans that went to Israel for a water technology conference, including uh, representatives of the five big uh, metros in South Africa that all went to explore water in Israel. But we've got this happening all the time. We had executives from the big IT companies in Israel last week, the week before, from the telecom companies. So it's happening all the time.
1: So there are those that care, in my opinion, very little about the Palestinians, but in the Palestinians' name will do everything to stop trade between South Africa and Israel. Have they impacted on your work at all?
0: Isn't it's hard to tell? We we don't see a lot of uh, or at all people saying we won't buy from Israel because Israel is this or Israel is that. They may just decline to do business for other reasons. But the fact is that most uh, South Africans and Africans love Israel and 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 care about Israel and I see it everywhere I go, even to rural communities. Oh, you're from Israel. We love Israel. Is that really a name of a place that exists? Even and 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 people who are more in the know know Israel for its technologies. So even some who might not agree totally with Israel's policies and it's okay to criticize a country and we don't agree with what many of our uh, friends do many times um, but still those people want uh, to benefit from the Israeli technology which is, which is everywhere behind the scenes
1: You talk about South Africa and you talk also about Africa. Has your work been both?
0: So most of my work has been focused around South Africa, not because I didn't want uh, to explore the rest of Africa, not because, uh, but just because South Africa has kept us so busy. We do look after the immediate neighboring countries. Swaziland and Botswana are very good friends of Israel. I've also been to Angola. I've been to uh, to Namibia, um, but a lot of the work that we do here in South Africa attracts Africans from all over. So I was just writing a summary of our event last week. We had a big delegation of Israeli companies at Africa's premier telecom event and uh, from the about 500 meetings that our 12 companies had in our national pavilion, uh, only 30% are from South Africa. Um, Rest of the meetings are from rest of Africa where people from DRC, Angola, Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana, Ivory Coast, uh, all over the place. Uh, Israel's name is well known everywhere.
1: And probably the thing that people most associate Israel with is water technology, making the desert bloom. And considering our dry, drought in the Cape, in Cape Town, do you think Israeli technology can help?
0: Uh, of course it can, and it is already helping, and, and Israeli technology is already implemented. I mean, uh, earlier this year, a desalination plant was inaugurated in uh, Richards Bay, all based on Israeli technology, all from Israel, actually. Uh, there are Israeli technologies in use in other places, and just following the trip uh, in, to Israel in September, we already have a few pilots uh, going on in place, helping with leak detection, helping with, with the water relief, emergency desalination projects, etc., all of these things. Are happening, and I just hope they'll happen on a, on a bigger scale. Just yesterday, I had a meeting with the World Bank representative in the region, which is now trying to assist uh, um, to assist uh, Cape Town. And he told me that when he approached the World Bank uh, headquarters to get the names of a few consultants, of the six names he got, three were Israelis.
1: <laughs> so there's much. There is much taking place. It's Itai, you, you've five years is a long time. You've established yourself. You've become very well known. I think in the in the important circles in which you. You work, how do you ensure that what you have established here continues?
0: Well, first of all, I've got a great team, uh, a local a, a crew here that works with me. Nicholas, Charmaine, Victor, um, Daniel has just left us recently, and Michael before that. And these people keep working for the office even after I'm gone. And a lot of the work that that you're giving me credit for is actually their work. And each one of them in their respective sectors has built up contacts with the local people. So when my successor comes in January and has already been here and met with some of the key people and, and of course, with the team, um then he just has to... Um, Hopefully, step into the shoes and just make sure that the the, the guys keep uh, and Shamin keep doing the good job they've been doing so far.
1: We're going to take a short break. Um, after the break, we're going to just explore a little bit about who Itai Melchior is and a little bit of where you come from.
0: Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert.
1: And I'm talking to Itai Melchior, who is the outgoing head of the Trade and Economic Office in the Embassy of Israel, South Africa. Um, Itai, one thing about your name that I recognize is that it has something in common with a book I have at home that talks about the um, the brave kind of movement of Danes, Jewish Danes, during the Second World War when they were safely moved to Sweden, and the author of the book is Melchior. Is that any relation to you?
0: Yeah, well that, that'll be my, the memoirs of my grandfather but both my parents, being Danish, were on those boats uh, fleeing the Nazis that had overtaken Denmark to safety in Sweden. Uh, my father was five years old at the time and, and my mother was one year old.
1: So it's your family originally is from Denmark I, I know I've spoken to a Danish community member and he was talking about how far back the Jewish community in Denmark
0: goes. Yeah, well, That in itself is an interesting story, uh, maybe for another time. But in essence, the Jews were actually invited uh, to Denmark. Copenhagen was a laid back, a small a port town. And the king at that time thought that bringing Jews there will actually help him develop the town and increase the trade. Did it? Yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course it did i mean i don 't think that the jews in in, in, uh, in Denmark are as entrenched in economy as they maybe are here, uh, but certainly they, they, they have been found everywhere i 've had an uncle who was a member of parliament and a minister for many years um, and and they 're certainly part of society and, and I think that, that the, the fact that the Danes had the, that feeling towards the Jews uh, during the 1940s and, and helped the Jews so extensively is unprecedented
1: and do you still have family members in Denmark?
0: Yeah, well, I have a few family members there. A, a big part of uh, my family actually made Aliyah of of uh, of uh, my, my 17 uh, cousins uh, from my father's side, 13 are living in Israel.
1: And the, the remaining are still in Copenhagen? Some are in,
0: still in Copenhagen, Oslo, and London.
1: And do you have a, kind of an emotional connection to Denmark still?
0: Yeah, well, I know this is about Israel, but I actually love Denmark. <laughs> Copenhagen is one of my favorite cities in the world. And, and if I didn't have to go back to Israel as a Jew, then probably that would have been my choice of a place to live.
1: Because I'm sure your parents must have spoken about that historic episode.
0: Yeah, well, it it comes out from time to time, and my father is invited a lot to speak about it. Actually, recently was invited to speak about it in uh, Japan, in a community that, that uh, is very has strong con- connections to Israel.
1: I, I, J- Japan is one of the countries that I possibly love most So I think we're going to go on a tangent But possibly we should go back to the original topic And that is of course the work that you have been doing over the last p- five years With regard to strengthening Israel-South African ties um, It's I mentioned at the beginning of the show That there was a proposal of a downgrade Between uh, of uh, the South African embassy in Israel What do you think the implications of such a move would be for the economy of South Africa?
0: Well, while I understand again, and and I said it's okay to criticize Israel and not everybody in Israel agrees with Israel's policies, so it's okay for for another government to disagree. Um, I think it's only fair that you you criticize. Um, That said, I think that a downgrade... uh, is, is counterproductive in, in many ways. I mean, the first one is political. I don't think that, that is going to have the outcome, the desired outcome. That's not what's going to change the, the scene. And I think that a, a stronger South African involvement in the conflict would actually maybe even help get to a resolution. But of course, to be, to be a, a good negotiator, you have to be neutral. And maybe that's part of the problem. But, Also on the economic side, so even though Israel trade with South Africa is not significant in numbers, when you look behind the numbers and you see what Israel trade actually stands for, you understand how important it is. And people don't know that most of the time when they're having fruits and vegetables, those are are produced using Israeli technology. When they're speaking uh, on the phone, regardless if it's a landline or or a cell phone, they're using Israeli technology. In many, many areas of life, Israeli technology is there. We we see now the smart cars uh, coming and all the big uh, car manufacturers today, even though Israel is not an auto-manufacturing country. We have all the big manufacturers in Israel um, working on connectivity, smart cars, and cybersecurity also for cars, which is a growing concern. So, so that said, I think that, that, that severing the ties with, the, with Israel and losing those inputs uh, is going to have a much stronger impact on the South African economy than anyone uh, could, could think just looking at the figures.
1: And the impact for Israel?
0: well as i said before the, the whole trade of of uh, israel with africa is, is is almost insignificant in in its scale and and again it's it's growing and we've got to remember that that uh, south africa's or it's not even south africa's wish but it's more a, a political thing in a certain party um stands opposed to what the rest of africa is doing the rest of africa is actually strengthening its ties with israel uh, as are doing the other brics countries so so it's not going to have an effect on israel in any way um what israel's main uh, import today from south africa is coal and we are divesting from coal because we are moving to a clean energy from renewables and from the natural gas that we have in the mediterranean so so i again i don't think that it's going to have the effect that some people wanted to have in israel, on israel but it's going to have a much graver effect on south africa and not only is it going to be a more serious effect on south africa but it's again going to impact uh, uh, the weaker part of society because the rich people can get by with anything but it's the poor people that need food security that cannot afford to pay more for their crops because more expensive methods are now being used or more water is being wasted
1: and there's also also of course the tourist industry that we haven't touched on but last night we had an amazing discussion around the Cultural and religious impact on a downgrade would have on both Christians and Jews. And I think the sentiment was that there's such a strong spiritual connection to Israel that any consideration of a downgrade would emotionally impact. On our community,
0: well, South Africans are very fortunate because um, our countries share a visa waiver agreement, which means that South Africans can just get on the plane and and go to Israel. Um, this also we have with Botswana, which is a very good friend of Israel, um, and and those are the only countries in Africa that enjoy this. And and I see people that need to go to Israel from other countries, even even if it's just on, on a business tour with a letter of invitation and everything. Not even talking about a tourist that just wants to mm. go and and explore and has to explain to a to a, a visa clerk in an embassy or through a courier why he wants to go. So, of course, it's going to have a very negative effect on on, on South Africans going. And, and tourism is is big and growing, and I think Israelis are, are becoming more and more aware. We see the numbers growing every year of Israeli tourists coming to South Africa. And, of course, that's also a lot of money. We, we estimate that the Israeli tourists uh, leave in South Africa more than half a billion rands every year, um, creating employ- hundreds, if not thousands, of direct jobs. Um, and again, it's a weaker part of people who give services in the tourist industry that are going to get impacted by such a move. Um, just this week, tourism in, in uh, South Africa was in the headlines in Israel, maybe for the wrong reasons. But uh, a, a visiting uh, Israeli uh, celebrity, known person, uh, doing some walk with, with lions was actually attacked by the lion. Oh. And that uh, made it to the headline news in Israel. So it's been in the news.
1: I don't know. I'm hoping this is true news. But I understand also Gal Gadot is planning to visit Cape Town.
0: Um, This I haven't heard, I'll go tell my kids
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's quite exciting news For all South Africans Um, It's you going back to Israel after five years What will you be doing there?
0: Uh, well, that remains to be seen. Uh, I hope to be deployed within uh, government. Um, there are a few positions which are open for me. And, and, uh, of course, the private sector that I've been working closely with and where I come from originally uh, also realizes that I've got good relations uh, throughout Africa and wants to use my services. So when we get back, we'll see.
1: So you might actually visit Africa because once you visited Africa once, you have to come back again.
0: Yeah, well, Africa gets in under your skin.
1: Well, I hope we do see you back. And I just want to say thank you um, for all the hard work that you have done. I think it's been incredible. The, I know that wherever I go, where, where, whether it's in Cape Town Trade Center or you know somewhere in Joburg, you're there, you have a presence, and um, the work you've, you've been doing is really greatly appreciated. So I wish you a lot of luck going forward and a lot of um, thanks for what you have done.
0: Thank you very much and for all your help also from your side.
1: Thank you very much. That was Itai Melchior, the outgoing trade and economic office, uh, embassy person.